Hi, I'm Jesse, and this is Red Cloaks Radio, where we are counting down to see will they or won't they? Will the Massachusetts legislature pass the Roe Act before the end of the legislative session? And my co-host today is Martha. Hi, Martha. Hi, Jesse. I'm Martha with the Boston Red Cloaks. And today we're delighted that our frequent co-host is actually our special guest. Hi, Laura. Hello. So, Laura, we know you also have a really interesting professional life, and so we thought we would take this time to unpack a little bit about the perspective that you bring, having done comprehensive sex education and having also worked with Planned Parenthood. You have worked with Planned Parenthood for a long time, only in Massachusetts? So, I, I started working with um, Planned Parenthood um, when I, right after college, actually. So, I've, I've worked in Pennsylvania and also in Ohio, because then I moved back there, and then I started working here in Boston. So I worked in the Boston uh, area, Planned Parenthood, right after uh, the shootings. So there's another group you said you work with, the one with, for the women empowerment. What is it about? So that's a community-organized um, kind of group that I work with here in Concord. It's a group that advocates for women um, through education, through lobbying, through, um, you know, all the different um, ways that we can get more information out there and raise awareness around the, the, the issues, especially today. When you were talking about um, the, that you worked in Ohio and all, all the other places, is the legislature different from one place to another one? Oh. Does it change uh, a lot how Planned Parenthood has to work with the people uh, in the community or in the government or how does that work? When, when I worked in um, Philadelphia, that was the, um, I forget what they called it, but it was the summer of um, like horrible, horrible protests and um, we actually had to wait until the clinic was opened because people would chain themselves to the front and um, that was a crazy environment to work in um, and then when I went to Ohio they had the 24-hour uh, waiting period um, so we had to deal with that as well so coming to Massachusetts was um, a you know walk in the park <laughs> But no, that's not true either, actually. Now that I'm, I'm remembering, that's when we had the 35 feet um, where people could protest outside of 35 feet, and that was um, not a lot of fun either. But I, I started working in Boston right after um, the shootings. I moved to Boston, and um, a lot of people quit, and I came in right after that. So I worked with preterm and uh, Liga. Um, Planned Parenthood, League of Massachusetts. But I've also done work in, um, in uh, schools too. So I've, I've um, done a lot of uh, work in Somerville, Everett, Medford, Malden, Cambridge, um, around getting uh, affordable birth control and um, having uh, comprehensive sexuality education in the schools. We would basically go in as the uh, Cambridge Health Alliance and teach anything that the teachers didn't want to teach. And of course, that was everything having to do with um, sexuality education. So 
they were sort of forced to do it and said like, oh, can you come in and, you know, teach everything. So it was progressive that they had a backup. So here in Massachusetts, the teachers do not teach the sex education. I have, I have kids all grown up. But, and I assume that the teachers, but all of them, since we have moved a lot, they took the classes in different states, but I had never had the curiosity of asking them, was the teacher giving the, le the lesson or was it somebody else? So in here, is it, if the teacher doesn't want to uh, say something, they call Planned Parenthood and they come and help out? Well, hopefully they do that, but in Massachusetts, not a lot of people know that there's not a mandate. So they, they have suggestions. There's, there's curricula that we can um, hopefully, you know, cross our fingers that get taught in every school, but it, it's up to the school and up to the, the teachers. There is no mandate that says they have to teach certain things. So we were lucky in Somerville that we had this relationship with the school. I worked in the teen health center there and, um, and, and they just had this, we had a great relationship and they would come and call us when they felt uncomfortable teaching. You know, that was when HIV ed was really big. And, and so it, it was a great thing, but a lot of schools in Massachusetts don't have that. And if they don't want to teach it, it doesn't get taught. So what is your background? Why did you choose to uh, this line of work? Because I'm a woman. <laughs> okay, well, no, but are you a doctor? Are you a social worker? Are you a OBGYN? Are you uh, have had an experience that made you choose this? I don't know. Uh, for me, it, it's a personal choice because I found out that for two of the procedures that I had or the abortions, if I still lived in Georgia and that had happened to me, I would be in jail and I would have left a family with a quadriplegic son and, and kids that were small f with my husband. And that is like, that is crazy. So that's why I'm asking, why, why did you choose this line of work? I guess my first taste of this stuff really quick was my mom took me to the DC March in 86. And I was blown away because people Gloria Steinem was there, like lots of people that like were life-changing speakers. But um, I, I went to a couple of marches after that too and was really um, affected by people that spoke who had relatives that died um, of, of botched abortions. And then I, I had um, friends and family that, that I, I saw going through this too. And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a combo of activism and just wanting to do what was right and make sure that people had the education and access. I'm not a, a medical provider, but I'm an educator at heart. Bringing that passion to work with teachers, other, other educators, and with teens is 
really motivating because I'm sure the same way you could hear from people at that march when you were younger, for them to hear from you, it really frames things. We had talked to a man in Massachusetts and his whole outlook was framed very much by a family experience. And his grandmother died tragically because she wasn't able to obtain legal, affordable, accessible care when she needed to have an abortion. So I'm wondering, like, in the time you've worked with teens and educators, what stands out for you? Because you've seen a lot of different people with many different approaches. Yeah, and I've, I've seen um, lots of different outcomes, right? Of, um, so I, I, I worked in the high school and I would um, see firsthand, you know, what was going to happen to these girls if they brought home a pregnancy. And, um, and, you know, we can say like, oh, you know, we can encourage people to, to tell their, the, the people that they live with, their caretakers, but that doesn't always work out. And if they're going to weigh out um, possibly hurting themselves or being homeless or, um, God, the, 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 the beatings that um, we had to re report, you know, kids that were really beaten over smaller things than a pregnancy. Um, so weighing that out, they're either going to go and, and do this by themselves or, um, or have, um, court decide for them. But it, it's, it's something that, that is, it just puts another barrier on that for kids because they have to skip school and they've already skipped school. And now they have to, you know, push the abortion time off so that they can get to court. And yeah, I've, I've seen babies that were born um, because the, the time limit ran out or they, they just um, couldn't get to court. And I've also seen, you know, people that, that get their care because they, they, you know, find a way to get to court. But it's just a, a, a barrier. In this process, it's not only educating kids and everybody about abortion but it's also educating and changing the mindset of people because it's not people say okay don't get an abortion have the kid but they don't understand that the kid is going to be here for the rest of his life so it's and giving up a kid for in a, for adoption is also as traumatic as having an abortion. It's not like, okay, well, let's see who gets him or her. It's just, uh, I think it's, we have to change the mindset. It's, we have to see that people, they know that what is an abortion. It's if they are prepared to be parents to a kid for the rest of their lives. Right, and most high schools now don't teach even home economics like they used to best was there was this idea that, you know, especially girls would need to learn to cook and keep house and clean, but those classes are not part of most school educations anymore. I'm not aware of many high schools that teach mainstream parenting skills at this point. So I, have you seen anything in your, you've worked in many different cities and towns. Have you seen schools where, where part of the curriculum is preparing people to become parents as teens? When I first started working in Somerville, there was such a huge population of um, pregnant and parenting teens that um, we, we developed a, like a sort of teen health 
um, advisory where we would train speakers to go into these were these were parents teen parents to come into um, classrooms and they would talk about their experiences being a teen parent and uh, not glorify it and it was almost a scared straight sort of a situation but but that was it that was the only honest education they were getting now some schools had those um, babies the the baby dolls that they carry around and they have like a, a little uh, computer chip in their back so they have to be carried they have to be fed or they will cry and um, if you drop it on the ground because you can't take it crying anymore you you know that that is recorded and you get a bad grade or whatever and then there there are the classes that carry around the eggs and there are classes that the uh, schools that have them carry around bags of flour as if that's an accurate representation of a of caring for a baby but none of these things have been um, proven to work really well what works is comprehensive health education where um, kids are given the um, the information so that they can know what to do to prevent this stuff from happening. It seems like there's a real separation between children learning consistently across the state, right. the basics of how their own body works, how other bodies work, how people get pregnant, how you can prevent pregnancy, and whether abortion is an option, how to obtain one. It just seems like it's not required from what you're saying and inconsistently taught and it can explain why a generation of legislators may not themselves really understand female anatomy, pregnancy, or reproductive options, which right. seems like that is the case. So we need to destigmatize teaching it, but we also need to help people who have gone through high school, but do not have a working education about their own body or other bodies. They have to have some way to quietly catch up so yeah. that they can make informed choices for themselves and when they're setting policies. We really appreciate your taking time today to step out and we're going to have you back for a part two to continue this conversation. So thank you so much for going from co-host to speaker. Oh, um, thank you. And we will, we will tune back in with more conversation with Laura. Thanks. Thank you everybody. Bye. Thank you.